0: you have your Bibles, you may turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. They'll bring one to you, True Worth, online. You have time to find it before we get there as we look actually in the real text instead of that text of what happened in this little conversation. This morning, we're going to learn about something to help us launch into the Christmas season. And there's something I want to call, I want to talk to you about the intensifying dynamic. The intensifying dynamic. And to help you understand this, I have the premise for this new message series we're starting right there in your notes. This week, Joseph. Next week, John the Baptist and his family. The next week, come back to Mary. Then through the eyes of Jesus. And then we're already at Christmas Eve. But we're starting here with Joseph. And here is the foundational premise for this whole series. Ah! I wasn't expecting that, and that is that at Christmas, emotions intensify and multiply. If you've not figured that out yet, I want to make sure you're not shocked when it happens. That as you go into the Christmas season, your highs will be higher and your lows will be lower. And they'll actually multiply an increase in intensity as we go through the Christmas season. There are some of you here, as we're going into Christmas, you're engaged this year or you're married this year, and boy, finally, you're excited about having a family your own at Christmas. There are some of you, finally you have had a baby born to you or a grandchild or it's a toddler. And man, this year, you just know the energy and the excitement around the tree. It's going to be like it's never been before. Some of you, you have a job this Christmas. You didn't last Christmas. And because you have a job this Christmas, you're eager. You're looking forward to blessing the family and your friends and people that you know and love. I mean, there, there are some of you, you have somebody coming home for Christmas. You know, somebody in your family you've not seen for a long time, a son or a daughter is in the military. They've been overseas, and they're coming home. Or maybe you have somebody in your family that's been in prison. They've been in jail for an extended period of time. And, man, they're going to be out in time, and they're going to be there. Or maybe it's just someone in your family that you're estranged from. Somebody that doesn't really get along with the family, but you kind of been reconciled. And so this year, they're gonna be here, and you just can't wait to go through all the experiences of Christmas, and Christmas Eve worship, and then opening gifts with them. You just can't wait. And there's some of you, you're Christians for the very first time. And boy, when you're a Christian, and Christmas comes around, It's just a new awareness of what this Jesus thing is all about and this celebration. And you're actually looking forward to all the different things we're doing here around the church and and the celebrations on Christmas. You can't wait because you know what it means and it means more to you. And then there are some of you every year, I mean, you're just like Chevy Chase, you're expecting your ship to come in. That big bonus, right? I mean, you just know this is the year it won't be the jelly of the month club, right? I mean, you're just expecting that big bonus, that big raise, and you're betting your hopes on it. There are some of you here, this is not going to be a, uh, wasn't expecting that Christmas. For you, this is going to be ho, 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 joy to the world. The Lord is come. We can't wait. This is going to be awesome. High, really high. And then some of you, the intensifying dynamics going to be working in the other extreme. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. The genesis of this whole message series really came out of the prayer email that I get every Monday morning from the prayers that come online, from those that are true worth, your prayers, from the prayers of you here in the group that you put drop in up the Welcome Center. And as I looked over that and I saw all the folks in this place who call this their church home or even worship here offline, online, and you send in your prayer request, man, there's been a lot of death. And grandma or husband not going to be there, or child, even brother at Christmas. and First time. There's some that had some diagnosis, uh, some very serious issues, medical issues. And you go, uh... My, my brother-in-law, his dad, who uh, used to be a member of this church, they relocated, moved, lived in Colorado, kind of, maybe, I guess they moved all to Wyoming now. And He got diagnosed with serious, fast, aggressive cancer. They had his first treatment last week. The treatment almost killed him. And he's just weak as a kitten. I mean, right here before Christmas. And, uh, yeah. My wife, uh, she came home from work, and she told me that two of the people from her small business that they deal with, That they weren't communicating back with them. And she found out that they just (laughs) fell over dead. And they were healthy and strong as a horse. I'm thinking, man, right before Christmas. Last night before worship, one of the vocalists who stands right over here, his name is David Shelton, our band. He told me about his best friend the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was, or the second day after Thanksgiving, uh, Friday or Saturday, that his son, 14-year-old son, they're driving down the highway 65, 70 miles an hour, he opens the car door, and he jumps out trying to kill himself. And I'm thinking, really, right before Christmas? Before Christmas. I'm not going to do it, but if I was to ask for a hand raise of everybody here in the house, those at Tree Worth and online, that that find yourself facing some sort of unexpected something as you go into this Christmas season, there'd be a sea of hands that would go up. There'd be a sea of hands. I know that. The medical report came back. Oh, didn't see that coming. The job you thought you were going to get, didn't get it. I could go on and on and on. And that's the Genesis of where we're going here, kind of understanding that the lows are lower and the highs are higher during this Christmas season. And as I thought about you more and more about what you're experiencing in life, you know, life, how it happens, God kept taking me back to this guy named Joseph in the scriptures. And I'd just been reading the story of Joseph and Christmas over and all I could about Joseph. And I want to share with you, try to help you, what God has been sharing with me that might kind of help some of you kind of be ready for the Christmas season and for all the extreme emotions, the highs and the lows that you might be experiencing as we move through this crazy but wonderful season called Christmas. So the first thing we need to know about Joseph is that Joseph, minding it his own business, boom, he gets hit right between the eyes with a, with a wrench. You saw it on the text. We're gonna read about it here in Matthew chapter one in a second. But here's what we want you to know about Moses. I'm excuse me, about, about Joseph. Joseph, more than anything in his life, he wanted to honor God more than anything with his whole life. Joseph just wanted to honor God. He was the most unusual guy. That was the highest priority in his life. We read about it here in chapter 1, verse 18, where we learn that Joseph and Mary pledged to be married, and Joseph had entered a pledge of sexual purity. He wanted to honor God by saying sexually pure while he was engaged and while they were dating until they were married, according to God's plan. He said, you know what? I just want to honor God in that way by saving myself for my wife and for this marriage that's about to happen. And second, we learn about about Joseph wanting to honor God. If we were to turn over to Matthew chapter 13, we learn about Joseph being a carpenter. And he was a good carpenter. And he honored God with his work, with the excellence of his work. I I want you to get on the front end as we go into this Christmas season. Joseph really wanted to honor God. He loved God. He wanted God to be first above every other relationship in his life, first place, God, above all else. And that was revealed in how Joseph lived his daily life. It was very evident to everybody by how he lived his life. And then wham, out of nowhere, right between the eyes, Mary says, I'm pregnant. And before she can finish the sentence and give any other explanation or information, Joseph's knees begin to get weak, and he's kind of wobbly. And I can see his stomach beginning to churn and a knot in the stomach, right? His head's kind of wheeling, going, whoa, 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 whoa. I had my future all planned out, and now, ah, uh, what's happening here? I mean, I thought I was honoring God. I was trying, I thought I was marrying somebody who shared my values. They were honoring God, too. And she said something about, you know, a uh, Holy Spirit thing, and she hadn't been with another guy, you know. But all I know is, I'm thinking, Joe, all I know is, hey, man, my future, it's not going to happen like I expected. Everything's changed. He feels betrayed, he feels hurt, he's confused. Time out, little question for you. How, what is your knee-jerk reaction when life hits you between the eyes and just go, goes, and all of a sudden you kind of go, whoa, what just happened? What's your knee-jerk reaction? When life throws you a curve, when you get hit with a wrench that you didn't see coming, how do you respond? The HR guy, you know they're downsizing, but the HR guy knocks on your door. You don't see it coming, knocks on your door. It's right before, okay, come follow me. You go to the office, you sign the papers, releases you, they escort you out the building, and all of a sudden you're unemployed. Right before Christmas, Watch your gut reaction? How do you react? Or, Or maybe the medical report comes back, it's bad news, it just knocks the wind. I mean, it's a gut punch, it's a gut punch or maybe someone you love, marriage, family member, parent, son or daughter, close friend, they betray you. They do something or they say something like a knife in the back. What's your knee jerk reaction, your first reaction? See, I I think most of us, we are hot reactors. And we do one of two things, we fly off the handle, We lose our poise, we lose our head, we lose our cool, we lash out, we want somebody to pay, we want somebody to hurt, we want heaven and earth to know that it's unfair, we have been violated, and we want to get them. Or we go the other extreme, and we retreat into our little corner, we close the door, we run from everybody, we get angry, we pout, we sulk, and we just separate ourselves from the world and sink into depression. And it happens a lot at Christmas. There is a little verse, if you've never seen it before, it's over in 2 Timothy. We studied about it all summer long when we were studying 2 Timothy. We hit a weekend on this verse. If you've never marked this verse in 2 Timothy down in your Bible, I want you to mark it, underline it, asterisk, uh, bend the page, whatever you have to do to find it. 2 Timothy 4, 5. The Apostle Paul is mentoring a young leader. His name is Timothy. And he speaks a bold word into his life. And here's what it says. It says, Timothy, keep your head in every situation. Keep your cool. Stay steady. I think somehow the Holy Spirit got this word to Joseph before it got to Paul and then to Timothy. Because in your notes, number two in your message notes, Joseph, when he was hit with this unexpected, shocking news, he kept his head, he kept his faith, and he remained kind-hearted toward Mary. Unbelievable. I want you to notice as you read this story, Joseph doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't lash out at Mary and give her what for. He doesn't go out and have an affair of his own to hurt her he didn't start telling everybody it was Mary, it was her. I've been honoring God. She's, she, she didn't get defensive. He didn't get on Facebook or social media. You need to know how I've been wronged. I have been wronged. I want everybody to know didn't do that. Look what he did. I got Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Some of your Bibles say because he was a righteous man honored God, and yet did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Somehow, Joseph was able to keep his head. He says, God help me here, help me be calm, help me be a kind of a a quiet place, a steady place. He resisted revenge, he resisted making her pay, he resisted getting bitter, in fact, The scripture says he even tried to protect her from public disgrace because he had a kind heart. He maintained who got it? his kind heart. Whoa. I don't know about you, I wanna be that guy. I wanna be this guy. When life happens, unexpected, you get knocked on your keister. You're just overwhelmed, blown away. You're hurt, you're mad. I wanna be this guy right here. I don't wanna be a bitter, blaming, reactionary bozo who flies off the handle, explodes like a volcano, brings hell upon as many people as they can, wanna cause pain and wounds upon other people, right? Or I'm just gonna disappear, I'm gonna be mad, I'm gonna pay pal, and I'm gonna hide. I want to be this guy. I want to be Joseph. Who do you want to be? Who are you going to be? Joseph, because he was steady and he kept his kind heart, in your notes number three, God gives him two clear next steps, very clear next steps. Very clear. Verse 20. After Joseph had considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. We're going to come back to that verse. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And yes, you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Two very clear steps Joseph, don't break off the wedding, push forward. I want you to marry Mary. Secondly, when this baby is born, this boy, do not name him Joe Jr., (laughs) do not stroke your own ego. Name him Jesus. It's a special name. It's a name that communicates that he will save people from their sins. Now, church, here's what's amazing right here to me about this story. Is that Joseph's been hit with a wrench out of nowhere. I'm pregnant. Oh, really? How can this be? This is impossible. And yet he keeps his head and God speaks and he obeys what God asks him to do. Hey, it's hard to obey God and honor God when things are going well, much less when your whole life has been turned upside down and you feel wrong, you feel it's unfair that life has not turned out the way you want, you expect, but he does, he presses through can you imagine how hard it was? He's walking Mary down the aisle. She got the little baby bump thing going. He's looking at the crowd. Was it that guy? Was it that guy? Was it that guy? He still can't wrap his head around. Sure, yeah, Holy Spirit, right. Was it that guy? Was it that guy? It that guy? But he still was obedient to God. He stuck with the marriage. And then he named him Jesus. Whew. Another time out. Another question for you. When is it the most difficult to hear God speak? We see right here in the text, he's hit by the eyes, she's pregnant, and it says, the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Joseph in a dream. When is the most difficult time to hear God speak into your life? Two things right there in number four. First one is, when you're living at Mach 2 speed, and when you're reeling from some unexpected shocking news that just knocks you on your can. It's hard to hear from God. It's hard to hear God speak when you're living in Mach 2 speed because the wind noise of your life is so loud it drowns out God's voice. It does. Speed kills, you've heard. Speed kills and neutralizes the voice of God speaking into your life. And here's the irony: We're entering into what some call one of the most holy seasons of the year for a Christian and yet some of you are going to be live so fast, so fast, busy, 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 get this done, bake this, cook this, go there, get that gift, get that present, go to that party, get to that place, boom, boom, boom. You're not even going to hear God speak. It's also hard to hear God speak when you have been just hit between the eyes and you're kind of, whoa. Didn't see that coming. You were expecting to get the job offer and say, sorry, no more jobs at the end of the year, door closed, and you go, ah, it's Christmas. The white blood cell count, you're waiting for the test, doesn't come back normal. It's still. The pregnancy. You go to the doctor, the doctor says, man, if you carry this baby to term, what? See, this is is usually what happens to you or me. This is biologically what happens and neurologically what happens. When you and I get hit between the eyes with unexpected shocking news, the first thing happens is that your heart begins to beat really, really fast. Boom, 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 boom. And then your mind, most of our minds go into overdrive, dreaming up the worst case possible scenarios. Am I lying? the worst case possible scenarios. I mean, oh, oh, it's this, it'll be that, it'll be that, it'll be that, it'll be that. And now it's Christmas and you're in your car and you're driving through all these places where it says, peace on earth. And you go, I don't have any peace. You turn the radio dial and every other song is joy to the world. You go, I'm fresh out of joy. It is so difficult When you have been hit between the eyes to discipline yourself, to pull away from everything that is wrong and get quiet and listen for God to speak into your life. And yet that's exactly what you have to do. Or it's just going to be crazy the whole Christmas season. May 9th, 1989, just after midnight, Dallas nudges me, in fact, she really elbows me, and she says, wake up, my water just broke, and I said, it's impossible, you're nine weeks away. Well, I'm telling you, my water just broke, it's not impossible, I know. Man, wake up, get her in the car, get her eight and a half-year-old in the car, off we go, panic alarm is pretty high, and here's why. We've been trying to get pregnant with our second child for six and a half years. Dallas had endometriosis. Never thought it would ever happen again. All fertility clinics, we did all the fertility stuff. Pregnancies, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage. We'd just given up, decided we were going to adopt. It was a good choice, very expensive choice. I'm in seminary, and no cell phone. I'm in seminary, 1989. I'm going to class, and there's a little note on the bulletin board It says, Rick, call your wife. Quickly, exclamation point, no cell phone. I go borrow the phone, call her. She says, I'm pregnant. Hold on to the adoption check. It's non-refundable. I was supposed to go take the check after class for the adoption. She says, you can't get the money back. I'm pregnant." oh, ah, okay, hallelujah. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. And now we're going to the doctor. You see the alarm? see the fear, and we pull in, they rush her in. A few minutes later, there's a baby, 10 fingers, 10 toes. His name is Jacob, but he can't breathe. His lungs, and so they rush him off to Cook's Children downtown. Dallas is left there, baby there. Her body is cold from the epidural. You know, ladies, how sometimes the post of the epidural body just... But also from lack of holding her baby, her son that she had been carried on her chest and the warmth of that give and take of love. And she's going, ah. Oh. She said, listen, you got to go be with Jacob. And I said, no, I got to be with you. You got to go. And she's holding on to my hand, even though I'm trying to leave. <laughs> go be with him. <laughs> I'm going, I'm confused. I'm <laughs> confused. <laughs> I don't know where to go or to stay. What do I do, God? And all of a sudden, my head, I'm losing my head a little bit, right? I'm going, ah, what do I do here? And the epidural worked, and she kind of went back to sleep a little bit, and I just kind of slipped out into the hallway, and I saw a sign that says chapel. And I followed the signs, and I go to the chapel, and I just sat down in this chapel, and I just sat down and said, God, I don't know what to do here. Help, help my baby. Help, help Jacob. He's not in this hospital. He's left, and my wife is here, and God, we just need help. Help him breathe, God, and help me. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? And I wound up finished up praying on my knees, and I looked up for a cross, and there was no cross. But there was a statue of Mary. And as I looked at that statue of Mary, I sensed the presence of God just telling me, Rick, you and Dallas, you're not the first ones to have to trust your child to God. You're going to have to trust you're gonna have to trust, and you gotta go be with Jacob, and I got Dallas. Go. So I just went back in there, and she was kind of. I said, "Okay, well, I got this piece, and I'm going." And I went, and hey, and but, but there was a calmness that happened because I got away from it all to listen for God to speak. This coming May, it'd be 30 years, May 9th, when it rolls around next year. 30 years, and Jacob now, is a, he's a coach, he's a math teacher, he's married to Summer, who is now a god in our family because she gave birth to our first granddaughter, <laughs> right? I mean, we idolize, because so, it's just amazing how the story changes and everything like that. June, 2001, I'm coaching Jacob and his brother James in an all-star baseball game, first game of the season at Bartlett Park. That's when there were baseball fields at Bartlett Park. It's all changed now. Some of you have been around here know. And Dallas runs up to the screen, the face all of a and I could tell there was something alarming. She said, ah, Joey, it's Joey, it's Joey. You got to get to the hospital. I said, what? Joey's been killed. Accident is Joey Cushman. He was a police officer, Arlington Police, 26 years of age. He was a valedictorian of his class. He was Rookie of the Year. Arlington PD he was a member of this church and he was a friend of mine and when we were building this church for the future of this church and uh, when she told me that some of you've heard part of this story before I ran to the parking lot because I had to go and I just puked and I just puked in the before I got in my car my stomach I mean I wasn't I've been called into crisis before but this one hit me in a way and I was losing my head I'm getting in the car and I'm going God I'm driving a JPS and I'm going God no not joy. Not a good guy. He's one of the good guys, God. Never got married, never have kids. Only son of his mom and dad, and they're never gonna have grandkids now, God. And one of the reasons I'm reading this is that Joey and I just had a conversation a few days ago. We had prayer over the telephone because he was a member of SWAT, going into a dangerous situation to get three bad guys. I mean, really, three bad, bad guys. And he had a little bit of fear in me. He called me, asked me to pray. Did you know that sometimes cops, before they go into places, bad places, they call and ask for prayer? So he called me and asked for prayer, and I prayed over him. And I, then I waited, you know, to hear the news. And he said, hey, everything went great. We had prayer again. And now he's dead. And I'm going, God, I'm going to walk in this situation. I, 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 I. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this, part, this scripture comes to mind. Nahum 1-7. Some of you never heard of that verse. Nahum 1-7. And it goes like this. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. And it was almost like God was saying, Rick, listen, I'm good. In the midst of this, I am still good. I am good. I promise you I'm good. And you're going to find refuge in me that when you walk into that sea of trouble, you got to trust that I'm going to be with you. Hebrews thirteen five: I will never leave you or forsake you. I will go with you. And I pull up to JPS. In church, I cannot explain it. There was a calm and a peace that came over me as I walked into that hospital, and there was a sea of blue police officers and cars, and there was press and TV cameras and everything, and I just walked right through it into that room where Joey's mom and dad were. And to describe to you what was going on in that room is unbelievable. It's just like a movie, a TV show, but it was real. And... uh and in Scripture, they were grieving. I mean, just, our son, our future is gone. Our future, it's over. We have no legacy. And I said, no, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you. But plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I know that is true for you. I know it is. And now, some 17 years later, Joey's legacy still lives on and blesses kids on each side of Arlington in incredible ways. And his mom and dad served the youth here in our church in his name. It's amazing. And I'm after all these police officers, and they're just grieving. They're just overwhelmed that one of their own accidentally shot one of their own. And it was just awful. And they said, Pastor, would you pray? I said, yeah, and so I just started praying the 23rd Psalm out of the blue. It just came. I didn't think in that, just out of the blue. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows, God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there was a calm and a strength that happened as that scripture just rose up. Here's what I want you to get in your message notes down at the very bottom of your notes. Preparing for crisis, number one. You, you've got to memorize Scripture. Church, you have got to have this in your life plan right now to memorize chunks of Scripture. You think that's old-fashioned. You think it's silly. I'm telling you, it's not. Because when you least expect it and you're losing your head, the Holy Spirit will resurrect scripture that you've forgotten, that you memorized, and give it to you right when you need it. When you're losing your head, it will. And secondly, is you got to spend regular time with God. You got to be disciplined and getting it alone and being quiet with God. God, I'm going to get away from everything. I need to hear a word from you, God. I need some help here. I'm struggling. I'm needing some wisdom. I need some help. I need some solid ground to stand on, God, because I'm on shaky ground right now. That's got to be a disciplined practice in your life. Psalm 62, 8, if you've never known it or memorized it, it goes like this. It says, it says uh, and trust God in times of trouble. Trust God at all times. Trust God. Pour out your heart to him. Pour it out. So here's what you do. You get that verse, you sit down, and you pour out every thought, every worry, every anxiety, every fear. You tell God everything. You get alone away from everything and everybody, and you tell God, and then you get quiet, and you listen. And you wait for God to speak. You keep waiting, and I trust that God will speak And he will echo the words even that the angel said to Joseph in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. I'm going to get you through this. I am with you. Together we're going to do this. Did you know in the Bible the term, the phrase do not be afraid is under 365 times? Did you know that? Two reasons. One is we make awful decisions when we're based in fear. Some of the worst decisions you ever made in your life is based out of fear. And number two is, some of us so live in fear that we got to hear it every day. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm I'm with you. 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 And I can testify that if you will get aside and spend that time, God will speak. Back to Joseph, kind of bring this thing to where we want to be. Because Joseph, steady head, kind heart, God was able to use him to encourage and inspire others for many, many years. It's amazing. Joseph, along with his earthly counterpart, Mary, they were the earthly parents of Jesus. Jesus. And during his formative years, Joseph is pouring into Jesus what it means to honor God, what it means to respect a woman, what it means to honor a woman. He models for his son and shows him how to do that. So when Jesus grows up and you have this story, the redemption story, Joseph was a main character in the story of the redemption through Jesus Christ for the whole world. And all of that would have been blown out the window if he would have lost his head kicked Mary out, started cursing God, started blaming everybody else, right? That would have all been for naught, but he didn't. And because he kept his head, you and I today are encouraged and inspired by his faith. Please hear this. I don't know what you're going through right now, I don't know what you're facing as you go into Christmas. You're, uh, But whatever it is, whatever it is, if you find a way to keep your head and you hold on to your faith and you put your hand in God's hand, trusting he will hold on and not let go, if you do that, it's very possible that God will prove himself to be stronger than you ever thought. And that God will be more loving than you could ever imagine. And that God will be more faithful than you have ever experienced before. And it could be that God will use you as a part of his story to change the life of another human being because of your courage and your faith in the face of adversity. I want to give you three gifts. These are your first three Christmas gifts, and then I'm letting you go. Here's the first gift. I'm going to give you two minutes of time of silence here in just a minute. I'm going to give you two minutes Slow it down and be quiet and take care of some business with God. Make a promise with God, whatever your commitments you need to make about being steady. I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to be silent, I'm going to do that. Then number two, I'm going to guide some of you in prayer. I know some of you, you're new to faith. You don't know if you believe in God. You don't even know how to pray. So I'm just going to guide a short little guided prayer. And then Andrew is going to sing into your heart because the music in your heart Sometimes what keeps you steady. So let's do this first thing first. I want you to just kind of get quiet and whatever you need to say to God. Maybe you need to pour your heart out to God about something you're worried about, a fear. Just uh, go ahead. I'm just gonna give you a couple of minutes. Just to go ahead and do that as you as you feel like you need to. This, this is your time. Go. It's my gift to you. Some of us here who need some help in slowing things down. Because, man, we're already running at Mach 2 speed. And we run out of Thanksgiving and we're running into Christmas. And we're just running, running, running. And God, there are some of us we just need your help finding way to slow it down, God, to give us the courage to politely say no to all those invitations, maybe to some of those parties or some of those events or activities, God, to let us say no, show us how to do it, God, and just slow it down so we can hear from you. God, there are some of us that we need a little help, and you're pointing our fingers to this book, and you notice how to open up your Bible and that you would take us with fresh eyes to read the Christmas stories all over again, God, and that you would plant those beautiful truths in our heart. You would plant some words in our heart, God, that when we need them, they'll come out to help keep us steady, to keep our head when stuff happens. God, some of us in our cars. Every day, we're on an airplane, we're hurrying, running, running. God, we we need you, please, God, to move our fingers away from the talk radio, away from the sports, away from the politics. God, move our heart to the music, to listen to the music of Christmas, where you can speak to the depth of our soul the truths that we need to hear, God. God, and there's some of us, we we just need help because we don't know how we're going to do it. We got so much on our plate. We have just There's some, God, who need to be reminded that you are a father to the fatherless because their father has gone to be with you in heaven. They're on this earth now, a a brother or sister who's died and a son. They just need to know, God, that you're their, their refuge, that you're their strength, and I pray you would make it so. God, there's some here in the house, they have this joy off the roof. They're so excited about Christmas, God, and may their joy be electric and may it spill out into others. And may this song, God, encourage us and embolden us.
1: I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love My heart will sing Your praise again Your promise still stands Great is Your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in Your hands This is my confidence You've never Failed me yet mm. I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I see you do it again you made a way Where there was no way And I believe
0: this Christmas season we ask you to make a way make a way through all the busyness through all the craziness through all the family dysfunction through all the stuff God to hear you speak to experience your healing to experience your hope to experience a peace that passes all understanding and God above all else help us keep a steady head